Amon is from the Northern Water Tribe. He's a waterbender and a bloodbender, just like I was. What? Did you know this all along? No, not until after he captured me. How did your brother end up becoming Amon? It all began with my father, Yakon. With the help of his former gang, he escaped prison and underwent surgery to change his appearance. He assumed a new identity and settled down in the Northern Water Tribe. That's where he met my mother, a warm, caring woman. Before long, they started a family together. <laughs> Amon was the firstborn under the name Noatak. I was born three years later. Noatak was a good-natured kid, always looking out for me. Those were the good years, before my brother and I discovered we were waterbenders. Welcome once again to the Vigilators Podcast. We are a queer Legend of Korra super fan podcast. As always, I'm your host, Derek Reining, and I'm joined by a man who has torn down the tyrannical bending government. He has declared bending illegal, and he has the Avatar on the run. It's Sam Stanish. And just in time for my dark backstory that uh, definitely makes sense and adds up and has connective tissue to the show at large. Absolutely it does. That's the saddest story I've ever heard. Those are actual (laughs) lines of dialogue from the show. (laughs) Um, And uh, I'm also joined by uh, someone who has made the best tasting street gruel I've ever had. It's Mm. Matt Gagan. Yes, we did it, guys. We we got me on for an episode of Bitter Jurors to talk Legend of Korra. And we I did think, it. I think I might also have an EGOT now, the uh, the Bitter Jurors EGOT. Oh, were you on the BB the I, BBBJ? The short-lived BBBJ, yes. Wow. Yeah, there's only like five people eligible for this award. Yeah. <laughs> 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 e, Sally, and like Amon. Like, <laughs> and Kristen, don't forget. Sure, well, no, sure, Kristen sure. can't because she's never been on an Avatar podcast, but uh, if she did. Interesting. Maybe it will retroactively edit her into an episode. <laughs> that sounds good. To me. I mean, much like this episode, you could just shoehorn in backstory and say it makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's, that's usually how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, Look, yeah. over the time between the past recording and the current recording, I received some critique from friend of the pod, Austin Trupp, who said, you know, I went into this season trying to be positive, and that has uh, not <laughs> carried throughout. Uh, and, you know, I will say that this season has broken me down, and it, it just over you know usually i can find something to appreciate like i feel like i'm pretty annoyingly positive about like pretty much anything and everything that i like engage with uh and this is one this is just something that i have nothing good to say about <laughs> and that's where i'm at after watching after rewatching season one of legend of Korra, it is worse than i remembered it being <laughs> Well, I I am I'm kind of glad that you're so down on it because I was watching it and I was thinking like I I don't want to be the one that comes in and just shits on this show while they're trying to stay positive. So, I mean I I uh, I hadn't I watched Legend of Korra for the first time I I guess earlier this year it was like right after I finished Avatar so I guess it was like end of 2020 beginning of 2021 and that's the only time I've watched it so I went back and watched this episode and I. 
really don't even remember much of season one. So I, I, I was just watching it and not getting into it and being like, mm, this not great. No, it's a very weirdly structured episode. Um, there's It's like very action heavy at the front and then it's just like pure info dump at the back. Yeah, it's like really two two things happen pretty much. You have a you have like a the big battle that takes up half the episode and then a big story that takes up the second half of the episode. Exactly. It was it's a very I think no other episode is structured like because I even watching it today, I went in being like, okay, yeah, this is the episode where we find out that Amon is a waterbender who, and like, this is where we find out the brother plotline. And then I like watching it for the first 20 minutes of it. I'm like, oh, like maybe this isn't that episode because nobody's, <laughs> we have, I have no, it's not happening. And then halfway through, you're like, okay, I guess we're doing this. After like <laughs> big explosion, Iroh's here hobo soup scene i i don't know this was this was a bad episode all over the place (laughs) (laughs) yeah so yeah we start the episode with hiroshi giving some sort of speech to people about (laughs) the the line he has declared bending illegal is just hilarious to me (laughs) like how how does one go about enforcing that um regimen I, i i don't know it's weird I mean, they did. Uh, there is precedence for this, as in book one, Imprisoned, your favorite episode of Avatar The Last Airbender, <laughs> uh, the Fire Nation does outlaw earthbending. So, like, sure, but they're like, using... It can, can do it. Sure, they're using bending to do that, though. But I don't know, just, like, the idea of declaring bending illegal was very funny to me. Um, but then we find out that our heroes... Oh, what's up, Matt? I was just going to say, as long as you declare it. They didn't just say it, they declared it, so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't in some, like, uh, conversation. It was declared Mm -hmm. openly. Um, Yeah, I I guess I didn't really... I don't think that Hiroshi has the charisma to be this speech-giving leader guy. Like, Aman has been doing a really good job with the speeches and getting people on his side. Hiroshi, I felt like, was not delivering. Uh, He was not giving what he wanted to be giving, and I felt like Aman, or maybe even Mustache Guy, like, I know he's not a celebrity, but I just felt like either one of those two dudes could have had more conviction and uh, personality compared to Hiroshi, especially when you think about, like, Hiroshi is so rich. I just feel like he's not really um, the person who will be able to sell the plight of the non-bender as well as somebody else. Yeah, if I was at that Hiroshi speech, I'd be on my phone the whole time. <laughs> it's yeah. like you get the head, you see the headline, you're like, oh, this is an equalist for like, like Amon must be pre- <laughs> like must be coming. Like he's gonna perform. You know, he's gonna go on stage, and then you get there, and it's not even his second in command. It's the, like the guy who joined late. It's like you feel I don't know off. about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's a rich guy, which like no one is really addressing the fact that. <laughs> so okay, so we get rid of bending that uh, no one seems to be talking about like okay but there's still like other kinds of inequality that will be going on here it's like bringing in us like uh literally the richest man on the planet presumably to like lead this rally to a lot of seemingly impoverished people it's a very weird sort of optic moment for them yeah (laughs) i and then he's i feel like it was because like his thing is like my wife was struck down by a firebender and like 
I don't know. I just feel like we're past that, and he's just like new minion guy for a month. Yeah, um, it's just it's very weird. Most of my notes for this episode are like this. Does not make sense. I don't understand where this is coming from. Um, one of those moments being um, when uh, Mako is just like openly flirting with Korra, like like straight up almost declaring his love for her, which even though I have Asami and Mako officially broken up, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't know. There seems to be a lot oh, of tension there. Yeah. <laughs> I, guess, I guess we're supposed to like care about this Korra and Mako relationship. Allegedly. Seemingly. <laughs> um, it's it's really not working for me. I don't mm, think it works. It works it worked for that one Tumblr user. Um, and that's about it. Look, we were on their side in episode three, and then every single moment since then has made me hate it. <laughs> <laughs> it's because like in episode three they were just like out doing things and like just like had charisma there but now it's like now they have like anti-charisma with each other where they're just like saying really really dramatic things to each other and like making these dramatic grand gestures towards each other even though mako is still in a relationship and the person he's in a relationship is like in the room usually when these happen um right there. It, yeah just standing there kind of just like staring at them and no one really comments on it it's it's very bizarre and I don't like it. I'm not a fan. No. <laughs> um, I do also think it's weird that they refer to this as an all-out war in this episode. Because it really, like we said last week, it really doesn't feel like it because there's, like, no one in these... And, like, it feels like Republic City is, like, abandoned. Um, so it really does not feel like a war at all outside of just, like, there are planes there. <laughs> like, that's what makes it feel like a war, I guess, to these people. Right, once, w- once the planes come, I guess it does seem kind of like a war but outside of that (laughs) right yeah they got planes versus boats that is war to me exactly the classic matchup a rivalry as old as time (laughs) like they took over the city and they like got rid of the government but i feel like i agree like it's not really a war so much as like a coup or like a hostile takeover yeah there's no like warring factions in the streets like it's just like this tiny little, presumably these four are the only people like putting up any sort of resistance at the moment against the resistance. Um, and they're not even doing that. Like the, their plan at the end of the last episode was to just like hide until the army arrived, and we'll get to the army's <laughs> arrival in a second. Which just like again, boneheaded decision making for the sake of something happening on the show. Uh, just like they have been hanging out while Amon has been sapping the energy there and the bending out of countless civilians. Just like he can, like I said in the last episode, he can do this so quickly. And the fact that they had to wait three days for the army to arrive, like I just feel like every single bender that they've been able to like corral in has lost their bending. Like he. It has to be the only thing he's doing. He's not making speeches anymore. He's just like hanging out in his blimp, waiting for them to <laughs> capture another bender so that he can remove their bending. What a life! <laughs> that was really spooky yeah. watching him just zap the, zap the bending out of people. I didn't like it. 
No, it's upsetting. And But do we think he says, I'm going to cleanse you of your impurity every time? Or do you think after a while he just sort of yada yada is it? It's just like... I think he knew the cameras were on him for that one, so he wanted to mm. ramp up the dramatics. Mm-hmm. Or maybe that's the first of the day, so he likes to, you know, start off high energy. And then, you know, as it gets along, he kind of is like, yeah, whatever, just bring it. Maybe he's doing like two at a time. Yeah, I was going to say, probably doing yeah. two at a time towards the end. <laughs> just get it over with. <laughs> do you think he can do it through his, uh, his, thumb, his thumb toes, too? His thumb toes. <laughs> also, probably. like, do you think he even needs to do it at all? Because, like, he's bloodbending every other way in a telekinetic fashion. I feel like he's mainly doing that for the drama as well. Oh, absolutely. He's a showman yeah. at heart. Mm-hmm. The greatest showman, even. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, clearly, as we learned in this episode, very suddenly, he is all about theatrics and is putting on um, a, a false identity um, as Amon because we learned that he is a waterbender and a bloodbender, all in the same sentence. Um, <laughs> so, many, so many reveals in this episode. Literally. Um, but uh, The anaplastic gonna... surgery exists. Yeah, um, That's true. but uh, um, I guess we're getting ahead of ourselves. We still yeah. got to talk about the army arriving, as you described it. Okay, like, how is this the approach strategy? They just, they're riding in on these boats. They don't have a single person, like, a water, they have so, they must have so many waterbenders on their ships. Like, how is nobody in the water like scouting out or like anything at all checking out making sure that like there isn't a trap like there's that it costs nothing to do this and just like it it, if you don't do it bombs will immediately flood your ship i didn't even i didn't even think of strategy i just figured there's a there's a guy here that sounds like zuko so he must know what he's doing Mm -hmm. (laughs) known strategist zuko um yeah, it's Iron weird. character and it's... is insane, too. <laughs> Just every part of the army coming is, like, bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's weird because we know... I mean, submarines existed when Avatar was happening. So it's like, why? where are the submarines here? We, we have full-on battleships. Why are... Where are the subs? I'm confused. It, nothing makes sense. I just... <laughs> I mean, I just don't even care i mean it was the same with avatar once these big battle scenes start it kind of takes me out of it a little and especially in Korra now when i don't even really care about the the characters yet at this point even though we're a season in um i i'm just i'm just hardly even paying attention to what's going on at this point <laughs> um especially because now like i don't care about any character that's actually in peril like no, there's no like, there's no race against the clock, or like, there's nothing bad happening to anybody. As far as I can remember, like, Lynn already lost her bending at the end of the last episode, yeah. and Cora and like Team Avatar are safe. And so it's just kind of like this threat against, as we've said, almost seemingly nobody in Republic City. <laughs> well, so it's just like, this is a big exploding fight. Yeah, there's just this vague threat going on. That we're meant yeah. to about. Yeah, that's why I mean last week, um, like the threat again, like the threat of the airbending kids being captured was like very real and like added a lot of weight to that fight scene uh for Lynn. And this is just the exact opposite, where it's like who yeah. cares? Yeah. 
the, 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 the our, our core four, the team, the team avatar, they're like the only characters we spend time with this episode. Yeah, and like three of them are just like off staring with a gigantic telescope um, <laughs> while Korra is like doing battle. And like the only person who gets hurt is this guy we just met with Zuko's voice like exactly. five seconds ago. Um, I did like, I guess, that he like gets a scar on his left side like Zuko has, but uh, it's whatever. <laughs> oh, beautiful. That's wow. beautiful. That's poetry right there. Every, every frame. The parallels. I'm shaking. <laughs> what is there oh god <laughs> trying to serve 2012 literally <laughs> um i well speaking of parallels i did like there was like a cute little moment there where um asami said something like it's time to take down my father i was like oh okay zuko like very take down the father lord moment for her um and then we just kind of like move past it pretty quickly but I, I i mean yeah I'm, I'm all for people taking down their father whenever that whenever someone <laughs> says that i'm like okay yes you got it yes let's do it <laughs> this is like i like that now it's making me feel like i wish we had gotten like a hiroshi flashback in this episode as opposed to these brothers who that does not make sense like or like i just wish we got more understanding of why he turned out to be the way that he was and like what his journey has been because we obviously have a connection to him through Asami versus Amon who right. I now like the only character who cares about Amon is someone else I don't like so like, yeah. I, like I, this flashback is like we know who Hiroshi is like and, and how he relates to other people so it would make sense yeah like I don't know not pretty right pretty uh pretty violent for Nickelodeon there's so many explosions was it i mean was avatar ever like this like boom 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 the only one i can think of is the northern air temple i feel like was kind of that pretty early on like but they just kind of the what had the one gigantic explosion really not like yeah, literal torpedoes like, flying around i was watching this and i was like i don't believe that this is a kid's show yeah. Especially that shot where iroh gets like knocked out of the tower by like a gigantic what the, was it a plane or a missile? I like can't remember, uh, a, but a plane dropped a missile. Yeah, and he like blasts it, and like he gets exploded on, and it was looked very brutal. Where I feel like previously they've really shied away from like showing fire hitting other people, even though right. a quarter of the characters use fire as their power. Yeah, they're really going all out to the point where, like, like I said, I don't even believe this is a a kid show anymore. And like, I can't imagine. Like, I was watching it, and when I was first watching the show, I thought it too throughout the first season. I I, I was like, I can't imagine being a kid and actually liking this show. Like, I, I, and that just, like, not only this episode, but the whole first season, like, the first half is just, like, about this random sport that they play. And then there's, like, so much, like, politics talk, too. And then you get here and there's just, like, a bunch of just, like, violent explosions. Like, are we sure this was a kid show at this point? <laughs> yeah, it feels very only for Avatar fans, I guess. Right. But even though I, I I don't know I've heard of people saying they've watched Korra first I just don't I genuinely don't know what that's like though so maybe there is something there I don't know I also don't I also don't know what it's like to watch it as as a kid or even in an adolescent right exactly yeah I think um, maybe it's a sort of similar to um, the Star Wars prequel movies since I, that keeps coming up for whatever reason it's like kids who grew up watching those I guess have a lot of nostalgia for them even though those were mostly explosions and nonsense Honestly, and politics I love, those, I love those prequel movies so you maybe you do get it 
Attack of Clones was the first Star Wars movie I ever saw, and it was my favorite movie at the time. <laughs> oh, wow. Was it the only movie you had seen? <laughs> if some, When I was eight, if someone asked me what my favorite movie was, I would have said Attack of the Clones. Yeah, like when I watched the prequel movies when I was a 10-year-old, I loved them. And, you know, that's good. <laughs> I think that's a good thing. That's a, that's a good thing about the film. They serve their target audience, and that's all that matters. And I, and I guess what we're discussing is what is the target audience of right. this show? <laughs> well, because I have friends that I that have always told me like Core is like the better show, and like when I was watching Avatar, they, I was in like a group chat, and they were like, "A oh, little does he know it's going to get even better once he gets to Korra." And then I got the Korra, and I was like, "I don't know about that." Who lied to you? Who uh, are these people? <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to drop names here. No, I don't want to shame these people. Let's not be a season of somebody's name names. Right, Brendan, no. Brent, Brendan and Gerard from Lindenhurst. You, no. you guys are on notice. No, you don't have to the doxing on Gerard. Look, I know um, I pushed you to the edge, but you didn't have to go there, honestly. All right. We'll leave that out in post. Uh, so huge explosion, fight, boom, bam, blah. And then they go back to the underground area. This time they've got Iroh with them. And Cora's like, Guys, I know we just made a plan together, but I'm not doing that. Instead, I'm going to go fight Amon alone again. And then Iroh is like, that's not a good idea. And I'm like, yeah. And then Korra's like, well, I'm going to do it. And then um, Iroh's like, you're right. (laughs) That's that's not a good idea, and here's the reasons why. No, but you don't get it. My gut is telling me that this is what needs to be done. Well, I can't argue with your gut. (laughs) What did he say? He says, like... Following the Avatar's lead is something my something my grandfather would have done. So you're right. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. Not even you can't his. Argue, you can't argue that logic. <laughs> oh, you can for sure. <laughs> it's weird that he doesn't like mention. It's like I guess maybe he knew Zuko would not go along with whatever Aang said. <laughs> so he just didn't even bring you, up. He's like I can't though. argue the logic, but there's no time when we still have a 15 minute flashback to get to. That's fair. How. That is some young child rearing from the <laughs> fire family. If Iroh is Zuko's grandson and he's seemingly 20 to 25 mm. or 30 and Zuko was 17 and it's been like 60 years. Just right. It's just saying it all flat out. Cause I was thinking about it when we were just discussing it. Cause like Tenzin is old, but his kids are young. <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, I guess they're they're having kids when they're like twenty five years old or so. Couldn't be me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, at least he's sexy, and at least there's that moment where Bolin says he likes his confidence. I mean, that's something. That is something. I feel like the uh, ship bait was really there when Korra saved him in the water and was holding him in the water. Could have been something. I mean, it's very Shades of Suki and Toph. This show loves to take queer moments of old and make it straight. (laughs) It's true. That's a great, that's the mission statement, I think. That's the target audience. Mm-hmm. People who thought Avatar The Last Airbender was a little too queer. <laughs> um, yeah, we got to defruit this this show, apparently. Um, um, yeah, I also don't like the decision to name him Iroh. 
and also introduced this i apparently there's a boomy running around too like it's yeah. very confusing as suddenly having these two <laughs> characters who are have the same names as characters we see, saw an avatar just like true iroh and boomy these now mean two completely new people yeah, his well, especially Iroh, his name's Iro. He sounds like Zuko. Especially like watching this on the heels of Avatar, it's just like taking me out of it. I'm just like, oh wait, wait who who is here right now? Who are they talking to? <laughs> yeah, it's um, I don't know, weird decision. I mean, I, I I enjoy hearing his voice. It's fine. That's fine. But it's just like, I, it takes me a second each time he talks to be like, okay, so this is a guy named Iro that sounds exactly like Zuko, <laughs> who is Zuko's grandson. It's Got also it. very Harry Potter epilogue, where it's just like, yeah, yeah. this is the character you named after some your child after. Like, is Boomy really the number one person Aang would decide to name a kid after? Like, you would think that Aang would name one of his kids Zuko or something. I mean, yeah. not when the perfectly good name of Tenzin is out there. <laughs> The naming convention we've I mean we've talked about the <laughs> bizarre weight give like like was it last episode where they were like we've already picked a name and you're sort of thinking it's gonna be something that you like are like symbolically connected to or like you have will have an emotional reaction to due to the, the musical buildup of the scene and just like the setup of everything. They're like it's Rohan and it's like <laughs> why though? Like and then they don't even explain anything about that and then they just move on and it's like my only connection to that is that it's like the Lord of the Rings country. And now I'm just like, <laughs> guess we're moving on. Okay. Oh, is Rohan not a character in Lord of the Rings? I, I, I think we were probably just listening to that episode of... <laughs> Never mind. I'm just not even going to... I don't know. I'm not even going to drop references that I'm sure <laughs> no one understands. <laughs> oh. I don't know. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to insult Lord of the Rings, Sam. No, no, I'm not offended. I'm just uh, glad to be here to guide. No, uh, it is the horse country as as far as I'm concerned. Oh. Whatever that means. <laughs> Look, there's two human countries, and one of them has horses, and one of them has torches. And that is Lord of the Rings. And what don't you understand? I, uh, that, you know what? That I, 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 I can accept that. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so the uh, people who live in squalor have a fully functioning device for long-distance communication, mm -hmm. and then they have perfect equalist costumes to sneak into the airbase air temple. Is, is, that the, is, that, is that what I'm to be led to believe? Absolutely. Yeah, that, I mean, checks out. Sure, why not? Cool, just making sure. Um <laughs> Found out yeah. Mustache Man is alive after he got like knocked out of the air by the the big dog. <laughs> oh yeah! After like like essentially um he was mauled by a bear like to and the then nth fell degree. like forty feet. Yeah, and he's just still walking around. Uh, maybe that suit he's wearing is just like holding all of his shit together. Like <laughs> if he takes that off, he's just gonna crumple into pieces. He is Darth Vader. Mm -hmm. It's true. Um, yeah, so they invade. They get onto Air Temple Island, um, and their plan is they're going to ambush Amon. That's their plan. Is the, the these two are going to take so, down Amon together? <laughs> it's a simple plan, but you know the greatest plans all start somewhere. 
Yeah, this one certainly did start somewhere, um, but that brings them to Tarlock suddenly appearing. Um, and I'm pretty sure, like, the very first words out of his, or, like, the second sentence out of his mouth is, I'm Amon's brother. <laughs> <laughs> and then they gasp in the most, like, I don't even know. Like, every scene of that was cracking me up and how ridiculous, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, really... You're a mon's brother. Okay. Okay. Great. Let's do it. That's great. Okay, sure. Yeah. I also, I also like right before this, they were like the mustache guy was like, We're there's a big thing happening at the arena and Mako and Cora are like, nothing we can do about that. And then they just like keep going <laughs> with the original plan. Like, don't send any they don't try to send a message back. They just they go and meet up with Tarlock, hear a little bit about genealogy. <laughs> Yeah, there's like he just like has no he no follow through as as a manager. He's just letting him go. Um whatever. <laughs> if I were him, I would have told them that not every job is a two-person job. <laughs> uh I mean, this one probably needs to be more than a two-person job if their plan is to dig down the <laughs> the fucking mastermind who we now learn is also a psychic bloodbender. Um, Who has thought... defeated Korra on numerous occasions? <laughs> but Mako wasn't there. Oh wait, he was there a few times. <laughs> they're, due. Like, they're due for a win this time, though. Yeah, just let's just trust Korra's gut here. You know, Korra's like, guys, it's episode eleven. I think I'm gonna win. <laughs> um, I'm looking at the epi episode count here, and I think something good might happen. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't you take a look at the rectangle for the next episode? Uh, I think something pretty big is coming. Yeah. <laughs> Man, yeah. So let's let's run through the reveal here. So here what we, we go. what we learned multiple is, reveals. Yes, what we learned here is that Tarlock is Amon's brother. Amon, whose name was Noatok before, is the son of Yakone, and he is also a bloodbender. <laughs> um, and they have, as Cora describes it, the saddest story she's ever heard. Um, in a in a world that has just recovered, not it's not even been a century since a one hundred year war. This is the saddest story Cora has ever heard. That is the saddest story I've ever heard. Meanwhile, Mako's standing there, like, okay, like I told you, my parents died when I was like six, <laughs> and I had to raise my brother. Okay, didn't, yeah, didn't, didn't register with me. This though. <laughs> Yeah, and I I love a flashback and I love an origin story, but I I just I I guess I just don't care about Tarlock enough to really just kind of empathize empathize with what's going on here. And also, it just goes on for so long. It is way too you think long. He, like yeah. practice the story before he told him. <laughs> if he had practiced it, I feel like it would have made a little more sense. Like <laughs> the character personalities in this flashback go back and forth, just like this, with no. They're like it can it can be fine to have like when we were growing up, Noah Talk was super nice, and then oh. he turned <laughs> bad. It, 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 which, but if there's some kind of inciting incident that like leads that, but it's just like he was the nicest person in the world and wanted everybody to be treated equally, and then he was mean, and then he was nice to me for one second, and then he was mean again. Yeah, at one point I was like, oh, Noah Talk's kind of a good brother, and then like a second later I was like, oh no, he's not. Oh, just just kidding about that. Yeah, it's weird hearing Tarlock describe his brother. It literally changes 
like you said, like scene to scene. It's like the first thing we hear is he believes in equality. Even back then, he wanted everyone to be equal, apparently. And then next we're hearing he revels in bloodbending the wolves. <laughs> and then <laughs> it's like he also, like his motivations change constantly. Like at one point he wants to be the most powerful person, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't understand. And it's so confusing. Um, and it's like, we're doing all this backstory for a villain who we still, we didn't even know the motivations of to begin with. We've heard him like give speeches, but they're like very obviously like fluff and like meant to like appeal to an audience. We don't really know how he feels really about anything. Yeah, we're, like, we're like getting all of this for, for these guys that we don't know much about. And I'm starting to think that maybe when Cora said that is the saddest story I've ever heard, maybe she meant like, that was the most pathetic attempt at telling a story I have ever heard because you were <laughs> all over the place. I've also referenced this before, like, but the reason this doesn't work is because we didn't have a concept of who Amon was in the first place. Like, this isn't like a twist on right. anything. It's just the information that we've been wanting to know. Like, I just feel like if we, if Amon had presented his own backstory in a way that was similar to this, but without giving every detail, this from Tarlock, like providing the rest of it would make so much greater impact because it's like, mm -hmm. I just like, I 11 episodes in, I literally don't know anything about Amon at all. And this is the first we're learning about it. So it's not like a, it's not a twist really, because I don't, it's not, I don't have anything for it to be twisting. Right. You can't subvert expectations when there's no expectations to begin with. Right. Yeah. It's like we, his, I guess like the twist is that he's doing it through bloodbending, but it's like, we, we, that just like solves the question of like how he's doing it. It's, and that's, like we said, it doesn't really ex explain anything about him as a person or make him any more compelling as a villain. Um, it's just very bizarre. Um, and I also hate that we're like retconning a million different things at once here. Like, first of all, apparently there are bloodlines, uh, powerful bending bloodlines, and there's a blood bending bloodline, even though Hama presumably invented it. I don't like that we're erasing Hama's whole thing here with like. Yeah, it's so bizarre. I did like when Yakone called Katara a coward for outlawing bending or bloodbending because it makes me think of that Katara as a liberal post. Yeah. But that's probably not what they were going for with that line. I mean, who knows? Um, I there's so much random unnecessary detail in this flashback too. Like we had why do we need to know that their mom was cool? Like <laughs> <laughs> True. How did how did this jerk Lynn? such a, a kind woman as she's described a warm caring woman yeah or like why did they like like you're saying with bloodbending not happening during the full moon anymore it's like why was it that like they learned it initially only during the full moon and then a couple years later he taught them how to do it not during the full moon what well, was yeah. the reason with that how come, how come they can they don't have to wait for the full moon anymore it's just because like they practice really hard and now like literally keep, because they keep practicing, you can start doing it whenever you want now yeah apparently hama in those literally like 30 years where she was out bloodbending she just didn't <laughs> practice hard enough <laughs> i'm like it so doesn't make any ridiculous. sense and like why did he even make them fight like he was like and then at one point in my dark history that he made us bloodbend each other it's like 
First of all, how did he do that? Like, how could how did he make you do that? Also, plug down your brother, Tarlock. Why? Why and how? And for what reason did you go along with it? It's like none of this. And like, but like, if he wants you to like go on this like revenge quest against the Avatar, like, why is he setting you against each other? And like, just. Yeah. yeah, that's what um the dad's uh, Yakon's motivations also are very bizarre. He wants them to take over Republic City and destroy the Avatar in revenge. Like, I don't understand the whole taking over Republic City thing. How how's that related? Um, I I don't get Might it. Might as well. While you're on the way, Grant, I will yeah, also it's on the way. I will also say that the flashback ends providing no information on how Tarlock became the person he became. Like, he, it ends with him, like, looking after his mom because she's depressed because her his dad died. And then after the flashback, he's like, but I still became a dick like my father wanted me to anyway. And it's just like, <laughs> but wow, like, what, like, this is what the flashback should have been about. Like, we don't, yeah. <laughs> we still don't know anything. They're like, so much must have happened between then and when you became this council member and it's like what what like this the wrong story. to me seems like a lie like it just, it just is so ridiculous to me that he is a council member in power and then his brother is taking over the city and he they and they're not like working together like, it just seems so fake right and now also he's like apparently sorry and are, are we like meant to forgive him is he redeemed now i guess <laughs> he told I mean, the he saddest said, story he said that he was truly sorry he, yeah it's it's so weird and like you said i mean maybe you could like justify as like um maybe he just like makes him sound self sound like the sweetest nicest little boy because it's his flashback and he can tell it that way i guess <laughs> but i mean i don't know presumably those are like those are the actual events so yeah like we said, it makes no sense. Why did he turn from like literally the sweetest little boy doing everything right the whole time into this? I love their kid, their like kid version character designs. They're very cute so cute. and I like their hairstyles and I think that they're great and wish that they didn't become these terrible people. Exactly. Yeah, it's bizarre. Um, and I've already talked about this before, but the idea of like bloodbending, first of all, it's already insane that you can do it without the blood, like without the full moon. And then also to add on the fact you just like can do it with your mind is equally ridiculous and just completely against everything that bending is like supposed to be, according to the creators. Like they wanted it to be this physical martial art, but there's also no some. Rules. There's no rules anymore. <laughs> literally, like we have to up the ante by making someone literally like a god like he can just control people with his mind whenever he wants and there's literally no connection between bloodbending and taking away someone's bending like they, they don't yeah. even address that at all did amon just, take no, away carlock's bending like i don't i don't know about that and it's just like the the flashback provide none of the information that i wanted to know about and just give me a bunch of superfluous stuff that i wasn't asking for yeah, and they're just like, oh, so he uses a uh, blood bending thing to take people's bending. Okay, got it. I know we yeah. joked about this earlier, but it's like the plastic surgery detail is so needless. <laughs> like, I don't, 
I didn't, I would never have asked why <laughs> like nobody <laughs> recognized him. It's sort of just like, hey, this is never going to be something that would come up for me. We have so many questions and this is what they're choosing to answer. Yeah, it's I just, I really don't, I don't like anything about this and it makes no sense. And it's, I hate that this is where the episode ends as we get all this information um, and now it's just like, well, um, I guess we're stuck okay. here. Like, we're oh. still waiting for Ahmad to show up. Um, it's going to be week. a lot. They got to wrap up in the next 20 minutes. Yeah. Literally. Um, we still have no update on the airbending family. Um, it's just, it's a lot. It's weird that we, like, paused the entire, like, action to do a very, very bad story about characters we don't care about. Yeah, it was definitely a choice. It was a bad one. <laughs> um, yeah, well, do we have any other thoughts on this before we get into spoiler territory for this episode? Um, not really. I mean, just to keep piling on to this episode, like, I feel like one of the main reasons I like watching shows set in this universe is... Uh, kind of like the joy it brings me. And there was no joy in this episode. There was no laughter. I did not crack a smile once. There was no, like, I, I know that, that uh, Boland's have sent the comic relief, but even he didn't have any any really laugh out loud moments this episode. I was just sitting there watching a, a bombs go off and a story drag on for the whole episode. I was just like, oh, that, was, that wasn't really fun at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even in the moments where you think there's going to be a gag, like when Pabu eats the bad soup, like I just feel like that's such an easy layup for Pabu <laughs> yeah. to have a cartoonish reaction to eating something bad, but he just laps at it and then the scene ends. Yeah. <laughs> Even Pabu was not on his game in this episode. <laughs> Everyone has an off day. Yeah. No, but uh, <laughs> before we do no spoilers, Matt, tell people where they can find you. All right, you can find me on Twitter at MattyFresh24. And uh, that's it. That's that's all the social media I use. So follow me there. There you go. Our EGOT, our second EGOT, ladies wow. and gentlemen, right there. Beautiful. Um, well, Put it in the history books. I'm updating the wiki as we speak. Um, Thank you. You can find me at Rain Dierks on Twitter. And you can find me also with our friend Christine over on Shadowplay Gaze on Twitter. Uh, where we talk about Revolutionary Girl Utena. Um, yes, I am watching that show for the first time, keeping up with the podcast, and it is fantastic. Absolutely, the exact opposite of this. Yes. Literally, so, so much joy in that show. Very much. <laughs> Literally, last episode, we both went in, into it. I was thinking it's like a light comedy episode, but ended up talking a full-on hour about it, because um, it's just so much fun to talk about that show. Yeah, I have, wow. a, I have a smile on my face the whole time. That's a, that's a lot of joy in that one. So if you're looking for joy, head over there. <laughs> God wish that for me, JPEG. But we're almost <laughs> done, uh, and I'm so thrilled to take a break from Legend of Korra. <laughs> Isn't that fun? Isn't that such a great thing? Uh, you can follow me at Sam Stanish on Instagram and Twitter, and my other podcast, That Word on the Street, that's TR8S on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, just going to keep plugging it forever, uh, even though it's I think it's been two months, maybe, since we did an episode. But that's okay. It will get it out there eventually. Uh, okay, spoiler time. Yeah, um, I feel like, I don't know, like, they. I think Tarlock says something like, um, I don't know how he does it in terms of blood bending. Like he's like, I don't know how he takes the way they're bending. And it's like, 
yeah, we never will learn that, actually. <laughs> it's, it's weird. I mean, I don't know. I mean, we can assume it's like kind of like chi blocking, essentially, but they don't explain that <laughs> at all. Yeah, I guess it's like permanently bloodbending something inside people's bodies, like what Ty Lee and the chi blockers do with the equalist, but what but how it's like never been permanent before so it's like how is it now yeah it's it makes no sense um it, i mean it's weird that like cora has to like fix it spiritually like yeah. that's how she fixes it and it's even though it's like presumably a very physical sort of thing that's going on because he's blood bending it's nothing about it makes any sort of sense because you would think like if Tarlock's bending was taken away, he could like flip it back, or it's like some, yeah. like shouldn't Tarlock Just... be the one who has to salt like say give everybody's bending back? Like I know that we're about to experience a fratricide suicide in the next episode, uh, but like you would think that like it would have to be somebody who knows how to blood bend to do this. Presumably, I don't. Know. It just, it's weird. Um, and that's all I have to say about it. It's, it's weird, and I don't know why they did it, and I'm glad that it's, they never, like, bloodbending, I don't think ever comes up again in the show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, I've only seen this show the one time, and it was unremarkable enough to me to not really remember much of it, mm -hmm. so. But I, I remember, I remember enjoying the finale of this season, so maybe, maybe you guys will too. Could we'll be. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's a that was a, a strong move on their part going murder suicide. <laughs> yeah, between brothers in Avatar, they were like shying away from like showing death, and <laughs> here Just they're like full on explosion. They're um, fully gonna lead into it. <laughs> well, I remember this moment specifically because when it happened, I was like kind of incensed about it because I was like, this is literally airing on Nickelodeon and I know that they would never show a queer relationship. And then, you know, they like proved me wrong a little bit, but which is cool, uh, but not for several years. But I was just like, this is the most insanely violent thing I've ever seen in a kid's show. And like, it, it just will never, it it just is so uh, uh, un- <laughs> Con it's just like I can't I can't even imagine the decision going into it. I was not ready for it. No. <laughs> I'm surprised I feel like if the show had like if they had like just I don't know, if they kept this sort of momentum and trajectory, like they it would have turned out they were like horribly burnt but still alive or something stupid. Um thankfully that does not happen. I, I don't hopefully that doesn't happen in the comics. That feels like something that the comics would do too. I mean, I think it would be better for a plot line if this did not happen. I mean, we can talk about it next week, but it's just like, so what? They're just dead now. Like, okay. But like, if it, if they wanted to do an ongoing plot, it would be kind of cool to have them like in the background shadow organization, like what's going on, but they get killed off instead. Oh yeah. It seems like they really like to just end everything each season and start fresh the next season. Yeah, which can which works eventually, which is like okay, but yeah. To be fair, the first two villains of the first two books are awful, and I like why would you ever want to like bring them back or like continue their storylines? Um, and so, and it makes total sense to bring back Zaheer, like because he's actually a compelling villain. 
That's a, these are good points. I just to think more about the Star Wars prequels. Like they do have Darth Maul, and they kill him at the end of the first episode. But then in the shows, he comes back and he has metallic spider legs because they That's attached right. the top half of his body to a robot, which I think could be something we could explore here with Amon and Tarlock. Full if, cyborg bodies. Or they <laughs> were only able to recover Tarlock's top half and Amon's <laughs> bottom half and they had to meld them together. Oh, This is, ge- this is genius. With some simple healing uh, after they wash up on the uh, the shore of the island where Korra is going to wind up next season. Okay, what? A, yeah, okay. When when Korra gets to that island in season two, Tarlock and Amon should have been there, like also not remembering who they are. <laughs> Derek, are you writing this down? <laughs> Please, we've we already off uh, off pod have written the spec script for this this very thing. <laughs> Um, I can just see now it's like you see like the two legs sticking up out of the sand and then they go to pull it up and it's just the legs. <laughs> it's good stuff. And they just, it's this classic switcheroo. They're like, oh, obviously these go together, like the top half and the bottom half. And then you have these mm-hmm. two legs that are like kicking, trying to kick him the whole time and they got to work together. You know, it's trying to go one way while he's trying to go the other. It's, it's, it's right for comedy. I and think. at first they do it backwards and his butt is in the front. Oh. Oh, that's classic. That's classic. Yeah. This is good. <laughs> oh, wow. I Legend mean, of Korra uh, becomes a lot more slapstick under our uh, decision making. And I think it <laughs> is b- benefited by it. Absolutely. Hey. After our studios. Hello. The opportunity <laughs> is there. We can make it happen. And I'm saying I will do anything with Avatar Studios. I don't need to be head writer. I would do, you know, I could even be staff writer. Wow. <laughs> wow. So humble and willing to, you know, concede a lot of power there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who needs the executive produce when you can just produce? And that's fine, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're not asking for much, really. Uh, <laughs> well, right, yeah. So let's you... make it happen. Mm-hmm. We need to. Um well, I feel like, I don't know, is there anything else in this episode that, like, really talks, like, that leads into other things beyond the season? Like, Iroh, like, never really shows up again after this book. Um, well, just specifically for this book, like, Asami and Bolin and Iroh go do something, and I probably should know what they were off doing instead of being there but like what are, what are they doing <laughs> i think they go to take down the airplanes they like go to like a, a airplane ha- hangar and i think they're there to stop hiroshi i'm pretty sure 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 <laughs> i think it, i mean it is essentially like the book three finale of avatar where they go take down the aircraft while um mako and Korra, aka zuko and katara do their own thing <laughs> Oh, maybe, maybe that's why I like the finale. If it's like if it's like the season you know, three finale the, of Avatar, exactly like the season three finale. <laughs> it okay. is, but yeah, it's starting to make sense. It's yeah. a shot for shot remake. It's kind of happens. like the Force Awakens sort of situation. <laughs> it's just like new, like paint coat of paint over the same thing. Okay. And so you're just like we. <laughs> yeah. All right. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Um. <laughs> well, um, Matt, uh, thank you so much again for joining us. Um, our beloved, beloved Maddie Fresh. Um, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on Survivor 41. I can't oh wait for all of us to have our hopes up and have them dashed eventually. But, um, you know, I'd love to do it with, with if I got to do it with anyone, I got to do it with y'all. Honestly, I, I, it, I just want an above average season. Just give me, just give me a woman winner. A woman winner. <laughs> just, it doesn't even have just, to be a good season. 
<laughs> I was about to Honestly, say, I'm, I am willing to concede a good season just to have please. a woman that does Easily. not support Trump win the game. When yeah. women win, we all win. That's how I feel when it comes to reality TV. Absolutely. That's the mission statement. I mean, this could be, yeah, I don't care. Just please. Woman winner, that's literally all I'm asking. Um, and I probably won't get it. Um, no, but. it's. I feel like eight monkeys' paws have curled in the past yeah. ten seconds, <laughs> um, and one of the worst women we've ever seen will yeah. win. <laughs> Anna Kate returns. Oh, boy. Okay, but like I was it would be such an Anna Kate fan back when she first played. I just knocked on wood. Did not know she was going to go down the path she went down. Look, like now that she's been like a honeypot secret agent, like. I think that she would be getting iconic second appearance on the reality television. <laughs> Not that I think we should give her that platform. I'm just saying in the universe where it did happen, I think that it would mm-hmm. be wild sure. television. It would. It definitely um, would be. I mean, are you two like broken brained like me where you like see Anna Kate's horrible, like homophobic racist um, stuff like show up and like, but your first thought is she's on Survivor. <laughs> like, that's that's I, what they, yeah, you tell people. You're like, oh, you know, that horrible person that's on, that you saw on Twitter. She was on Survivor. And the, that's the first thing I'll always think when I see her name for sure. Literally. Same. I'm like, remember when it, it was the morning of the episode where she was going to go home and she started promoting those bracelets? I remember that. I was there. <laughs> That's history. She was swap screwed. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out the universe knew better. Very similar to Scoopin getting hit with the coconut. Like, oh, boy. Survivor knows. That, always. Yeah, him getting hit with the coconut is the worst thing that's ever happened to Scoopin on Survivor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, not the horrifically <laughs> scarring fire. Okay, but uh, any reason to credit Abby Maria with? Um, oh, of course. Uh, injuring a pedophile, then yes, I'm all yeah. for it. She's social. She just posted on a picture of herself on the back of a horse I saw earlier, <laughs> uh, which was pretty great. Um, In Rohan, presumably. Abby Maria is able to see someone's true colors <laughs> way before anyone else. She knows. She knew she knew Scoopin was trash. She knew Joey Amazing was trash. True. And Kelly Wigglesworth. Not that I know that she's trash. I just remember her saying in the same breath as Joey Amazing <laughs> that she didn't like Kelly Wigglesworth because she reminded her of Denise. <laughs> Which also, you True, know, she, hates turned... she hated Denise. Okay. <laughs> also pretty prescient. Well, um, okay, well... Uh... <laughs> The, if anything, that tells us how amazing this episode was, where we just spent the last five minutes talking about something completely unrelated. <laughs> um, well, thank you again, Matt, so much for joining us. Um, thank you all for listening. Um, well, uh, wait, have, do we need to replug? Am I skipping that? You. It sounded like you were barreling towards skipping that. Oh but... well, let's back it up. Tell our tell the saddest story you've ever heard, which will be a um, second plug plug round <laughs> yes. for a and podcast. Almost, an almost yeah. forgotten second plug round. Yes, yes, Matt. Uh, remind the people once more where they can find your beautiful thoughts. Yes, uh, you may follow me on Twitter at MattyFresh24. I will be tweeting a lot about Big Brother 23. So if that's what you're into, follow me. Wow, I can't wait for the golden season of Big Brother where it's both Maddie Fresh 24 tweeting about BB24. We're almost there. <laughs> That's true. I'm going to have to hashtag BB24 and then just hashtag Maddie Fresh 24 right after. <laughs> Every single time. Every time. <laughs> I'm obsessed with that. Um, 
Well, you can find me at Ray Derricks on Twitter, and you can follow my other podcast, Shadowplay Gaze, on Twitter. I'm at Sam Stanish on Instagram and Twitter. Ooh, baby, please follow that word of the straights, that's your ADS on Instagram and Twitter. And you can always send us a five-star review on iTunes. Uh, and I, you know, used I haven't checked our uh, Google form, I think, in all of Legend of Korra. <laughs> I for, kind of forgot it existed for, oh, two months, maybe. Uh, but I guess we could, I could dip back in for the finale, see if people have any reactions they want to send. <laughs> That sounds perfect to me. Um, well, thank you again, uh, everyone, for listening. And uh, see you all next week for the finale of book one of Legend of Korra. Bye. Bye. Bye.